Hey, if we're ever going to have a slogan yet for this podcast, it's going to be progression in football is not linear. And we're going to say this every week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ballers Corner. Today, you have myself, Jeff, you have Shay, and you have Tony. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get straight into it. So I was scrolling through Twitter earlier, you lot, and I saw this video of Joel Cole and like it was captioned something like the greatest English player to ever exist or something like that. And while that may be an overstatement, it got me thinking like, fam, he actually could have been the greatest English player. Like he was so different from everyone else, like, and it just had me thinking whether he was born in the wrong era or whether he, you know, just wasn't under the right managers for him. So then it it led my, you know, chain of thoughts to players who could have been so much more, you know, players who could have reached, you know, world-class elite status, but they didn't. But they still managed to have, like, good, respectable careers. Do you know what I mean? Like... So players who did really well for themselves, but you like once they finished playing, once they retired, you were still left wondering what more they could have been. So yeah, let's start with Joel Cole, man. Like how how much did you lot rate Joel Cole in his prime and what do you think his ceiling was? You know, the thing we got about Joel Cole is yeah, my first memory of him is doing that. Like not first memory, but the best memory I have from my childhood of Joe Cole is him when he, you know, he spins, um, the, is it Vidic? He spins Vidic and he scores that goal against Van der Sar in 2006 that kind of wins Chelsea the title. Oh, it was Ferdinand, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, it was Ferdinand, Ferdinand and Vidic, one of those two, I can't remember, but I just remember, the, you know, the game that Rooney broke his foot before the World Cup, Carvalho, I've scored the winner, you know, Mourinho, three down, yeah, yeah, three down the touchline, throwing his, throwing his medal yeah. into the crown. Bro, that Joe Cole, from what I remember, majestic, you know, in terms of like England don't normally produce flary players, you know. But and he wasn't Ronaldinho, he wasn't their man that do quick feet, but he was the closest to it that you can actually say that we produced from his country. And Joe Cole had very Yeah, man, he was drippy, cut drop shoulder, left, right, you know, he'll get a couple of megs in there and there, in here and there. And he was a great mover off the ball, very good dribbler. So the only problem I had with Joe Cole, from what I remember anyway, at West Ham, he seems to he seemed to operate better down the middle. And when he went to Chelsea, he was utilised more as a winger. I may be wrong, but in terms of what he could have produced, I don't know, man. It's a hard one to say about Joe Cole in terms of he should have hit world-class status. He should have had a better career than he did. But from what he showed in 2006, especially moving forward, because um, he started to slow down a little bit around the 2010 area. Um, yeah, I get what you mean in terms of he didn't reach his ultimate potential. Um, but I can't in terms of... Yeah, yeah, he was. Especially, like, near the end of the noughties. I just remember past 2008, 8, 90s, and I can't remember Joe Cole, you know. <laughs> I can't. And then next thing you know, he's playing for Liverpool. He's gone out to France to play for Lille. So maybe it was a certain thing of injuries, but I can't exactly tell you yes or no in terms of Excuse me there. Do I believe he could have been a lot better? He, he could have been a lot better than he could have been, but do I believe he could have been world class in terms of, I don't know, one of the best England, England wingers or tens? 
because I actually just can't remember him at West Ham. I was too young, man. He played for West Ham. He transferred from Chelsea in like 2002, didn't he, or something like that. So, Joe calls a shout, but I can't go into more detail because, like I said, man, I'm only 25. I don't know that. I don't know all that stuff there. <laughs> yeah, what do you uh, think? Even, even, even me, Loki, the same. Because <clears throat> for me, like, I remember Joe Cole being very techy and very good, but I felt like I always always saw him in patches, like he always came and went. Like you'd see him for a bit, do you be, he'd do madness and you'd see a player. And then, because at the time, obviously being young, you don't really know what what's going on really in football like that, do you know what I'm saying? But I didn't know if it was an injuries thing or like whether he just weren't playing a lot. But I just felt like he wasn't ever in a consistent run in the Chelsea team, do you know what I'm saying? And then where I really saw a lot more of him when he was at Liverpool. And even at Liverpool, I, I saw there was a player there, but it just kind of like flattered to deceive mm. a bit. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Mm. You know what's funny as well about Joe Cole is even now when I was trying to think back of what kind of player he was at Chelsea, I don't know about you lot, but I know he left a little bit earlier in terms of what I just mentioned in 2006. But do you remember Damien Duff? <laughs> like, that yeah, was a direct... Yeah, that guy was yeah, like a direct winger. That guy used to get the ball his feet cut in and then do his business, isn't it? Or he'll cut in and cut back out. And even though Joe Cole offered that on the left-hand side, I remember he played 2006 World Cup on the left-hand side for England. England didn't have a left winger. Obviously, Beckham on the right, Cole on the left. And he scored that screen against Sweden. Cole wasn't that player. He was someone that likes to roam off the ball, come in the middle. I believe his best position was a 10. And maybe that's yeah, what factored. Yeah. I think maybe that's what factored in, in, in him, you know, not reaching his heights. But how can you play 10 ahead of Lampard who was scoring stupid goals at Chelsea at that time? Um, it's a hard one with, with someone like that, isn't it? But I don't know. If he was more, I don't know, because he, he showed flashes of brilliance. And the reason why I, may, I, I, I mentioned David Duff is because Duff was another one in terms of that Joel Cole era where maybe he goes a little bit under the radar in terms of how good he does. was. Yeah, In terms of how good he was, yeah. But that's it's just it's just Chelsea. It's Chelsea at the time of the Abramovich era. Like, a lot of footballers got stampled on. Joel Cole, yeah. maybe, if he had if he was centre stage instead of Lampard in that Chelsea team, maybe he would have reached different heights. That's the way I see it. All right, Tony, we're on to you now. Give us one player that you think, you know, could have reached certain heights and they just didn't. And, like, give us your reasons why. Okay. A few, man. How to, how to knock it down to one. Like, my main three, I'm going to try and subject it to, to, like, bring it down. My main three is, one is Wayne Rooney. Mm. Two is, two is um, uh, Marco Verratti. And three is Joshua Kimmich. Now, hear me up. Before anyone has, says, says, says what well, he's talking about, Rooney's Man United's all-time top goal scorer. He's England's all-time top bro. Rooney at 16, if you compare him to Ronaldo at 16, because remember, they both came out during the same time. Ronaldo's a little bit older. But Ronaldo and Rooney all came, all burst through the scene at the same time. And Messi wow. burst through the scene. Messi burst through the scene at the same time. Back in 2005, yeah? 2005, six especially. Those three guys were like, the Mbappe, Haaland, these guys were like, oh, these guys were generational, bro. Yeah, 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 for and sure. They were generational. And what we didn't expect, maybe what I expected from Rooney was for him to be England's all best player of all time. And now mm -hmm. can you actually sit there and say, hand and heart, Rooney's England's best player of all time? You can make the case, but you're, you're kind of 
battling with the likes of Gerard and the likes of Lampard, it, where Rooney should have been clear, man. My problem. I don't Rooney think so, is, you know. I don't no, think so. He, I think Rooney's clear, bro. No, you can say that. You can you can argue that he's clear, but the fact that it's not evident enough, like you can sit there, you, there's a massive massive gap between someone like Martial and 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 and, and Mbappe, right? Yeah. yeah. That gap between Rooney and Lampard isn't as big as people make out, and it should be wider. I think Rooney sacrificed a lot of his own development for the betterment of his teammates. He sacrificed. Like, look at the one season he played as a as an as an out and out nine for Man United. He scored thirty five goals, isn't it? He won PFA. Dave Valencia like, career man. <laughs> trust me, like passing the ball in for him. Yeah, yeah. He was averaging sixteen goals whilst he was whilst he was supplying Ronaldo. And in the one year Ronaldo goes, he's like, come on, take center stage. And he had an amazing, amazing season. And in 2011-12, where he was partnering Welbeck, trying to teach Welbeck ropes, he bagged like 25 goals. So this is what I mean. My Rooney was different gravy. And really and truly, if he was just selfish, he said, nah, I'm on this thing for myself. Who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen? He could have hit 40, 50 in a season, competing in a PL, making up PL numbers, the same yeah. way Ronaldo and Messi would do in the Liga numbers. Another one as well, like just gonna just a quick summary. One that really bothers me is Ratty, because again, Ratty's someone that I believe he's top five. When you watch this guy play at his best, yeah, he's untouchable. He is something special. He's, he's he's an artist. Like it's like, just something that I don't understand. Like maybe it's an injury thing, or maybe it's because people don't pay attention to league. Oh, maybe because PSG are some sort of stigma between them, and people don't like PSG, but. And the fact that I just don't feel like he's bothed. <laughs> no, he's he smokes, bothered. he chills, like he does he's his own thing. Like, he's not. That's what I'm saying. Fully if, committed. If, I hear it. If if Ratty had the work rate of someone like who's never injured, I don't even know, man. Like some just name a player who's never injured, they're the same work rate as him. And he just That's showed Ronaldo, isn't it? Ronaldo's Ronaldo, like, yeah. crazy. And he showed the levels that he had on a consistent basis. Oh my days. Because Ratty's that guy, man. When he turns it up, you not you can't get near him. He's always one step ahead, and I just feel like that's another footballer that doesn't get his blessings. And the third one for me is Hossua Kimmich because, hi, bro, if you knew how Kimmich, how good Kimmich was at Leipzig, if you knew the prospect he was supposed to be, listen, I'll I'll, I'll summarize it for this year. In 14, no, 15, 16 season, or was it 16, 17? I can't remember. When a season Pep had a defensive um, horror show, bare man injured. Kimmich played centre back with Alaba for like half the season. Bro, they look yeah. out of place. He was 19. He was supposed to be a 10. And this is like playing Phil Foden centre back at a city. And Phil Foden looks doesn't look out of place. He's chilling. He Kimmich did that at Bayern. And then he filled in at right back. And then he made right back himself. And he became the best right back in the in the world. That's how good he is at football. People don't realize like people sit there and say, Oh, props to Pep. He made a makeshift 10, the best right back. No, 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 no. That's a testament to how good Kimmich is at football. Kimmich could have been one of the goats in his position of not just our generation, of all of football. That's how good he is. When he burst through the scene, he should have just made his, I don't know, Pep should have just got some boys at the youth team and said, you lot fill in here and here. Kimmich, you're going to play 10 for me or you're going to play an 8 for me you're gonna make that, or 6 for me. You're going to make that position your own. Bruv, by now, there'll be no no one would be no one would be his mate. He would have been like his generation Schweinsteiger. This generation Schweinsteiger, of course, I don't know how people remember Schweinsteiger. This guy was cold, but Kimmich would have been him times three. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a big shame for me. So those three are my big three. Like them, all of the the crazy things, all of them are good. All of them have made good careers for themselves. But great careers, yeah. They should have they should have been like they should be where 
where Neymar is. They should be not even where Neymar is. They should be where Messi and Ronaldo are in their respective yeah. positions. Yeah. So yeah. what about you, man? I hear it. Um, um, I feel like it's a story of sacrifice as well. Like with Rooney, you know, he kind of sacrificed himself. He was the selfless player. He he was doing like the doggy shift on the left wing to re- allow Ronaldo to do whatever Ronaldo was doing. Kimmich was having to fill in here and there because, mm. you know, Pep was around and Bayern had all these injuries and stuff like that. Like, I feel like with some of these players, it's just mad unfortunate that, like, due to circumstance, maybe they end up in a, you know, unfavourable position or they end up in, you know, just a situation which doesn't get them to utilise their talents to the fullest, in it. And with Varai, I actually hear it because he is so talented. Like, he's the man for a big European night, but it's like, just doesn't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just chilling. He does his thing. He turns up, he'll ball out, and then, like, he's just calm with it. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. I feel you still. Even, like, on Varai, like, Varai, if you really watch man play, bro, I don't really know many technical footballers as good as him. Like, He's crazy. In his role, bro, he is crazy, bro. He's crazy. Like he's just like you said, he he does he does come across so not both. But I feel like when you're a player of his quality, you can kind of get away with it. Like yeah, I don't yeah, feel like yeah. and because because of that, like sometimes when you're when you're that good, bro, you don't really feel like you have to kind of push on then. Do you get what I'm saying? Like Especially when you're comfortable in like Paris, you get what I'm saying. You're doing. You're better than anyone anyway. Do you, you know get what I'm mean? saying? Yeah. Like you, you know when you're fit, first name of the team sheet. You get me? If not first name, second name, third name. You get? What I'm saying he's one of the first names on the team sheet. So, yeah, man. Like like you said, I think it's just a bit of like a bit unfortunate that like the players have just had situations where they've had to fill in. Then do you get what I'm saying? Nah, he's still. But, Who are um, your players? So, my first one was Walcott. I don't know if I want it to be him because I'm not too sure. Walcott, and then my other one was Falcao. Um, no, because Walcott. that's a bit unfair. That's a bit unfair. <clears throat> you him. That's a bit unfair on Falcao, really, oh. because Falcao did hit a level. Yeah. I feel like Falcao should have been even better, though. Yeah, bro. But that's extended circumstances, isn't it? That's the injuries. Like Falcao, Falcao at Atletico Madrid was not a joke. Bro. What, that Falcao, bro, I know, and that's that's why that's why that's why I say like I feel like he should have <clears throat> gone up at even like humongous more level. Like I feel like Falcao at Atletico because that's <clears throat> that was when I first like really clocked onto him. Like, I knew of him at Porto a bit, but I wasn't really following, but I started following um, Atletico Madrid around 2012-ish, roughly. And, um, bro, Falcao done things that I just never seen, like, doing outrageous things, and he's so small. That's what even bugs me out. He's so small, and he's doing madness, bro. Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe the injuries do probably play a massive part, and that's probably why he didn't get as far as no, but yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's proper. Now, if I got to take one because it wasn't just it wasn't just injuries. Like he had a double um, ACL rupture, so he'd done his ACL when he joined oh, Atletico Madrid within not Atletico Madrid uh, AS Monaco within the first Monaco, three months. Yeah, 
He's done his ACL because he started life well. Okay, I think he scored eight goals in the first 12 games, something like that. He was starting okay. And then ACL. So he's out for nine months. Out for nine months. And he came back. And I think fourth game back, he done it again. Same knee. It was finished. Oh, man. So you've got to think yeah. about it. Like, all of a sudden, you've lost a yard or maybe a yard or two yards of pace. Yeah. You've lost that cunning instinct because your confidence has gone down. You're always wondering, is my knee going to pop again? Is my knee going to pop again? Literally, you've seen it happen. Very boring time. Exactly. You've seen it happen with the likes of Ledley King, who, Bellerin. again, and, and exactly, Bellerin, Ledley King, Nabil Fakir, all these lot that, you know, mm. were different. They had a scare injury and then just became different players after. And the fact yeah. to do your ACL twice, bro, you're, you're probably sitting there in the hospital after the second time, like, have I still got my leg? So, yeah. And you know what? He's actually so. doing well now. He's not. He never hit world, world world class. But like I know Man United didn't go well. Chelsea didn't go well. When he went back to Monaco, he started doing well. He went to Turkey. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what he did there because he watches Turkish league. But now he's at. He's now in Real Vallecano. Now he's tagging <coughs> again. So yeah, he scored against Barca recently. He scored against Barca. Yeah, yeah. he's doing well. Sorry, it's yeah. a shame with Falcao because, like you said, like bro. Falcao, Atletico Madrid, some of the, even Falcao at Porto, some of the Porto, things that the Falcao at Porto was crazy, man. Crazy. That Porto team, I know Mourinho's 04 is always the one that people remember, but this is why I love Andre Villas Boas. Like that Porto team was levels, levels, levels. So Falcao is a bit of a shame because I get what you're saying. But at the yeah. same time, he did hit that level. I believe in 2012, <clears throat> Falcao was the best striker in the planet. He did what he could in yeah. it up until the injuries, you know, just derailed everything. But he was in that conversation, you know, yeah. the the kind of trajectory he was going on. He would have been in the same Suarez, Lewandowski, Benzema. Like, he yeah, would have yeah, 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 age mates yeah. with them. Do you get what I mean? But it's just mm. unfortunate. But the Walcott shout, go on, Walcott, expand on yeah. I like that one. Uh, so, Walcott, yeah. I feel like... Walcott is a weird one because he has, he had a great career at Arsenal in the sense of he done very well um, in terms of what he what he won um, the players that he came through with and whatever else and he actually scored I think hundred over hundred um, club goals I don't think in the league but in, Walcott, for the club yeah, yeah. yeah he scored a hundred for Arsenal and I feel like Walcott was supposed to be like. Another one of them, England's next best thing. Do you get what I'm saying? At 16, he went to the World Cup and played at the World Cup, and it didn't necessarily go off for him. Like he had a lot Walcott, of battling. Walcott, Walcott's not played at a World Cup. He went 2006 and didn't play. He didn't play. He didn't go. He didn't go. You didn't go again, did he? He didn't go 2010. And you didn't no, go 2014. No, he didn't go yeah, no. so he played. He went 2006, but he didn't get a minute. He was just there for. Okay, okay. Seen what? Well, um, yeah, but then he had a lot of like battling. Whether he was a striker, whether he was a right mid, he then he got um Thierry Henry's number. And when you take Thierry Henry's number, being the next number fourteen, it's like you're gonna be that next guy, that next guy to be our leading guy, and he never ever became that. Like he was very. Very effective, but I feel like another player that kind of flattered to deceive. I feel like his game kind of got, um, what's the word, like, muted because play because players after a while clocked what Arsenal wanted to do, and it came to Walcott, and that was run in behind and make make sure he gets to the byline, cross it in. You get what I'm saying? And Walcott wasn't really a great crosser either of the ball. Um, I feel like. With Walcott, he could have really got 
to a level if he kind of just put himself in a way where he knew what he wanted. I don't feel like he knew what he wanted and Arsene Wenger as well, I don't think he knew what he wanted with Walker either. No, I hear that, you know, because like when he burst onto the scene, like he was the next big thing. Like he literally took took a place on like the World Cup squad and you know he didn't play but you know one of them ones where you're nurturing the player you're getting them there for the experience so future competitions they understand what it's like and you know that's your kind of prospect but yeah I mean he had like a respectable career you know he did his thing for Arsenal there was a time where you know it was all sign the ting sign the ting and he was taking yeah, free kicks and corners and, and yeah like he was he was <laughs> taking all the set pieces like he was the man and it seemed like he was in control of that whole situation, but he just never really pushed on. Like he never became the Theo Walker that he was apparently dared to be in Southampton exactly. Academy. Do you know what I mean? Like it exactly. Even yeah. with that getting to the World Cup squad at 16, and he never really got he never went to a World Cup again after that. Like that is telling for a player that was supposed to be that guy. Yeah. You get me. When was it? What season was it? Was it 2010-11 where he just decided, you know what, I'm on this team, I'm going to play up front, I'm on this thing, let me just score. Was it, no, it was 12-13. Was it 12-13 or 11-12? He got 14 friendly league goals, yeah. And he went on that run. He scored a hat-trick against Newcastle. Newcastle, and the third goal was... Yeah. Now, Walker had... The thing about Walker, he was the... Bro, I'm not even an Arsenal fan myself, but I could just see how frustrating he was because he had all the tools. Like one thing yeah. that people don't understand a lot, people don't don't rate a lot when they watch football, is player movement. Walker was good moving off the ball, and yeah. of course, of that yeah. he was quick. So on the counter attack, he was a good outlet. And mm. I remember when when he was when he, the problem with Walker is he didn't improve as a player in terms of what was in his artillery from like 2008 mm. to about 2014. And by 2014, it was too late. In 2008, I remember there was that run against Liverpool in the Champions League where he just, he does all the hard work. Bro, he's just I remember that. And he lays off to Adebayor. Adebayor. Mm-hmm. That Walker was the same Walker in 2014. Like, yeah. what happened in those six years to not, not get any better? That's the only problem with Walker. And like, he had brilliant moments. He had brilliant seasons. Um, the top is Walker. I'll go, do, you, do you know Walker the way I see it just like you said he had the ability like Tony said he had the ability but for me like you say, I think he focused on the wrong things yeah. as he as he was thinking getting on with age innit? he could never make his mind up one minute he wants to be a striker the next he wants to go back on the wing. He's saying, oh, my best performances have come from the wing, all of this. Then the next, then after that, he wants to be a striker again, come 15, 16 season. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to f- pick one position, first of all, and focus on your on your um, strengths, innit? Better your strengths, then you would have been a world beater. But I f- it was just the whole thing. He was getting confused with himself. And I think he was starting to believe kind of the, his own hype in a way like oh he's getting all these goals from the wing he's thinking now oh I can do it up front Henri's coming training with Arsenal he's seen him and he's being like oh I could do this I want to play up front now I'm doing lessons I'm doing training sessions with Henri it didn't make sense mm. that's, that's where I, I, get, I get his confusion though I get his confusion though because he was he was underrated finisher like, bro he was yeah, better finishing than he was creating yeah, he was a decent finisher of the ball, but he had no, like you said, he has no creative doubts. Like, 
He couldn't split a defense. He didn't know what to do. He just gets uh-huh. the ball and runs. Literally. But that's why I hear like you know if you played off the strike, I've always wondered like like why didn't Wenger ever try him and just play him off the striker? Bro, we've or, never tried that. We've never tried. Why didn't that. He, he, why didn't Wenger? Why didn't Wenger even try four four two big and small, play Giroud, and then have Walker off behind? I just feel like that was against his philosophy, innit? Like you know he's pretty pretty stubborn with these things and the player behind the striker is always going to have to be a Fabregas like it's that sort of creative player and Walcott just wasn't that in it so he just put him out on the wing by the way guys um, Gracie has joined us he was who was um, speaking about Walcott just then um, but yeah I just feel like it went against Wenger's philosophies and you know managers are really stubborn like he's not going to change everything just to accommodate this one player. But, I mean, it's always that what could have been, in it? Because, you know, walk up behind a striker like that and, you know, being able to make the runs, being able to drift into the channels and stuff like that, like, he could have been fantastic. The sad thing about Arsenal as well is Arsenal have had so many of those type of players. So many of those players that have showed so much potential, so much promise. And then something that we can't see from the outside as fans has happened and it's just faltered. Like, if I can name three off the top of my head, I think Shay mentioned it earlier that Bellerin was one. I don't know. Maybe is it because he went vegan? And obviously, I'm not going to get into that too much. But <laughs> like, what happens to Bellerin 15, 16, 16, 17 to Bellerin today at the Real Betis? I watched Real Betis the other day out of. He does score on goal over there. He scored an on goal. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what he's on. He's scored on goal over there, though. Bellerin is not good, bro. He's not good. And do you know what's mad? I can't lie. With Bellerin, when he first burst onto the scene, I feel like he was never the best defensively. But Absolutely. because his he was pace, fast, man, yeah, because his pace and his recovery, it's a bit like Wambasaka. His no, pace and recovery Kyle was Walker. Kyle Walker, bro. You think yeah. so? Mm. Walker can defend a little bit now, though. You think yeah. he's like- you think so? I don't, you I see, don't, I don't, I don't think there's no way. Did you see Walker against Crystal Palace? The goal that um Connor Gallagher scored. Try to tell me, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 yeah. He likes no, to do the hero I, thing. As I'm not well. saying, That's I'm not saying he's great at defending, yeah. I'm not saying he's great at defending, but I feel like he's got a bit more defensive knowledge. Remember, Bellerin was originally a right winger, no? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so um, anyway. Back then, he had the recovery. So when he got himself in positions where, oh, no, I need to get back, he was able to recover and make it happen. Do you get what I'm saying? Where he'd done his ACLs and whatever else, he's lost a lot of that pace. I don't even think necessarily I feel like he's lost a lot of it. I feel like more so he's scared to try. I feel like he's scared to try and... and You get what I'm saying? I feel like he's scared to try that extra mile and pull it in because of the ACL. And because of that, he doesn't even know what he wants to do with the football anymore. There's me. so many, there's so many like that. Like another one that really, really should have hit the heights was Thomas Riziki. Another one that really should have hit another heights was, was Samir Nasri. I know Nasri left Arsenal, but even when he went to City, he had maybe two good years, three good years. I'm not even uh-huh. too sure. Um, another one that off the top of my head, I can think of uh, if I have a quick think. Um, yeah, well, that's a, that's a part, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Go on, Gray, talk more about that. You mentioned his name. Why did you mention him? Haleb, you just, you know, them them ballers that you just see on the board, they're silky with it. Both feet is natural. He can dribble, he can beat players, he can find a pass, he can split the defenders. Haleb was just, he was just one of those players, he was easy on the eye. You could watch him and think, right, like, 
this guy is wavy with it. And again, we had a lot of those players, isn't it? But why he didn't advance from that, the Barca move really killed him. I don't, on to this day, I don't understand why he went to Barca. And obviously, is Barca, yeah, they've got the big pull and everything. But when you look at your own career as well, he should have been realistic with it. Is he going to break into that team? You, you know That's when true. like that once in a lifetime opportunity comes, you you back yourself in and you take it with both hands. So it's like I kind of understand why he he did make that move, but yeah, I get what you mean at the same time. I I always kind understand of be realistic. It's yeah. also a thing of not only do you just back yourself, circumstances can happen. Like that's yeah. why you played Real Madrid, man, and you played regularly in his loan deal. The son of Diarra uh, went to every, yeah. Look at Alex Song. Yeah, Alex Song played regularly, not all the time, but as as much as he wanted to. But Alex Song actually played more than you realized. I feel like he played more, but more than you realized because of injuries. But I don't feel like he played because. Yeah, that's why. But then look at the the career after that, though. That's it was it's frustrating to. Song was number one. Song was number one. Maybe he maybe he shouldn't have. He wouldn't have hit world class level, but he's number one now. Didn't. Have yeah, the career yeah. that he was set out for him. He was a very, yeah. very silky player, man. I remember his like season. Is, I remember his fourteen fifteen. Was it fourteen fifteen or fifteen sixteen at West Ham when he came back for that one year? He was looking so tidy, and then he just vanished. Fourteen fifteen, yeah, it was. Yeah. You went to, I think he went to Russia. Yeah, Russia. another player I have in my head. Uh, actually, I've got mm-hmm. two. My this this guy used to be my favorite player. Actually, um, Javier Pastor Pastore. He he was oh, yeah. so, so, so like, like like, I see Tony smiling right now. He was so, <laughs> so good. And I remember, you know, when PSG got all the big money and stuff, he was like the first big name signing. He was PSG's record signing. Yeah. He was PSG's record signing. Yeah. And I remember them times, you know, Chelsea were linked with him and I was just hoping he would come to Chelsea. Hoping, hoping, hoping. And, you know, it just didn't materialise. He went to PSG and then, he just dwindled. I mean, I I can't really explain it. I'm not sure why because he it's did get is a fitness issue, man. He's another fitness issue. Him and Jeremy Menez were supposed to be like the obviously Jeremy Menez, Pastor, Marquinhos, Thiago Silva. No, Marquinhos came a little bit later, but Thiago Silva, Pastor, Ibrahimovic, and Menez. They were like the first. They were batch. the people that yeah the first batch. Like the, they were the people that ideally they were supposed to be the Lampard. Um, you know who you know the first batch that Chelsea bought to start the project. Yeah. That's what they were supposed to be. And Pastor really and truly just became a fitness issue where he just couldn't... I remember he got... um He, he broke his ankle. And then after that, it just became littered with fitness issues. Even when he went to Roma, I don't even think he played that many games. Like, I don't know. I didn't. It's, you know, it's a real shame with Pastor because, again, like, if you saw Pastor play football before PSG especially, oh, my God. Him at that guy, Palermo, oh. he could do he could do everything. He could dribble. He could find the pass. He could. You know what was amazing? You know what I love the most about footballers. Footballers that create space for themselves is such an underrated underrated skill. Like at six two as well. He was doing exactly, that exactly. Exactly. He could like before the ball was before the ball was at his feet. He was already two steps ahead. He's going. The ball's going to come from my left. I want to take a little shimmy here and drop the shoulder so that my two closest men are coming in for the press. By the time they've committed, I'm already three, five, four, five yards away from them. And he made it look so effortless. In a sense that, you know, Pogba does it, but sometimes Pogba dwindles on the ball and loses the ball. Pastore was like that and he was crisp. 
and then he gave himself space all the time to give that left foot pass, that right foot pass, and to find the next man with him. And then there was even times that Paloma, we just thought, Bunny, I'm going to go for a run. And he starts dribbling, dribbling past oh. his players. He was great, man. He was honestly just gliding, great. just gliding honestly, on the field. Honestly, great. Yeah, and uh, it's a real shame that people didn't get to see the best him because he's another one that, yeah, Jeff, you're right. He's another one that would be like, if not a streets, we'll never forget this footballer. He'd be one of the yo. He's one of the greats. He's, he's still. He's, not, he's only. He's only thirty three. He would have been playing now. So he's still young. Like that's that's the thing, and you know he just progressively has just got less and less games, and he's just not. Like, just dwindled into, from starting mm. into, you know, just behind the scenes. You don't hear about him, you know, nothing like that. And it's, it's really sad. It's, it's really it sad. Yeah. The, I'm Greg, gonna, do you um, have one? Oh, go on. Let Greg go. And I'll, I'll, I'll Pardon? Go. Actually, no. Hey, uh, let me quickly, let me quickly, let me quickly what? say my one quickly before, because it's still on the sort of PSU topic, and then I'll let Greg yeah. go, yeah? Yeah, bro. Um, one I thought of whilst you was talking about it because of PSG and whatever was Draxler. Um, oh, Draxler. That is a very good one. Damn. I, I feel like Draxler at Schalke was, bro, I can't lie. I've never really been excited about players like when, like I was, when I was growing up like in secondary school and whatever, like Draxler. Draxler was crazy, bro. Like, the drippiness, the silkiness. He kind of had that, like, like a bit of Ozil mixed with Kevin De Bruyne. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. But, like, he had a bit, ah, uh, bro. And then he's gone to PSG, and I feel like PSG, he never it was the wrong club. became it was that the wrong guy. Club for him. Draxler's, his, his problem in comparison to the story is that PSG just wasn't the right club for him. When Draxler went there, um, he wasn't a first-team star, so he was an impact player. And he's never, ever been able to shake that. Uh, when he went there, uh, from the top of my head, they had Levesi on the left-hand side, they had Cavani on the right-hand side, and they had Ibrahimovic up front. Um, and then that, obviously, Lucas Moura needs to get games as well. He was there at the time, and then Drax will come in, and then it just became a pile-up of too many players, not enough time, only three subs you can make, especially. So Drax never, ever managed to secure himself a first-team place, which obviously... Can we obviously damage his progression? I remember when I was little, um, not little, a couple of years ago, when he went to Wolfsburg after he left Schalke, and it was looking like he was going to leave Wolfsburg. Maybe it's because he Schalke through and through, and Schalke and Dortmund like each other. It never made sense to me why Dortmund just worked like let's bring this player in, because I used to always think the damage that Draxler and Royce would have done together. Oh, <laughs> uh, Draxler's bro. another he's a real shame, I'll never man. forget Draxler's assist for Raul, where mm. he's like. Picked the ball out of the sky, bro. Got mm. past the player, and then like he's like done a hill to hill pass, where, where the keeper's right by his feet, bro. He's number one that's bro. been linked with Arsenal, yeah, for like years. Bro, every he's summer. linked to us every he year. He won't be linked to us in January yeah. again. He won't be linked to us in January again. Bro. He should have gone, man. I would have loved to see him at Arsenal, and like it's just it became a what could have been. Do you know what I mean? Like if he was at Arsenal, would he have you know helped them reach certain heights? Would he himself have reached? Certain heights, yeah, that's that's a really good one, actually. Dave, he went, he went oh, a period, he went a period at PSG when Pochettino took over where he just vanished. No, Tuchel before Tuchel left, sorry, is it was in 1920 season where he wasn't even injured, he wasn't even like he wasn't even like a falling out, he just vanished from the first team for like weeks. And maybe that's just that's just the story of his PSG career, man. It is a shame. 
Sad. Uh, Gray, what do you have? Who, who, who do you want to talk about? Uh, first one, my boy, Mr. Pizzagate, says Fabregas, like, mm. I feel like we have, we, we can say we've seen the best of him, but I don't feel like he's talked about as, as much as the greats. Like Fabregas, he was 16. Literally, the, the invincible season, obviously, he, was, he, he wasn't really playing. He was just playing League Cup games. But the season after that, he was on the bench. But he actually played quite a number of games. Like, he played 33 games, I think. And the se- like after that season, the 05-06 season, like, he made that starting position his own. When Vieira left, I think that's when we first started seeing the... Um, four five one that Wenger was doing with Arsenal, like it used to be four four two for so long, and he even continued to do that for quite a bit in it. But that's when he first implemented the four five one. And a lot of our football, like around the Invincible days, we had like a powerful technical team, but very strong on the counter attack as well. We could defend, but on the counter attack, very strong. Attacking wise, we're very good as well. But a lot of that changed when Fabregas made that position his own and. I feel like he just, he revolutionised Arsenal in a way, like our football just changed, our our style of play changed. He became very impactful in our team. Like he became the main player as soon as as Henri left in 2007, was it? He became literally the main player, the most influential, most influential player in the team became captain at 21. Like I could talk nah. for days about Fabregas when Fabregas was incredible. Bro. Vision. Yeah, I get what you're saying though. I get what Gray's saying because when you I remember there was a question on Twitter a couple it must have been ages ago when David Silver first left and they were like, who's the best Spanish mm-hmm. midfielder? And it was like Cesar Fabregas with David Silver. And David Silver edged it like 52% to 48%. I was thinking, no, no, that was a job. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Joe. With Fabregas, yeah, like, do you know, I hold him up there with the greatest midfielders in Premier League all Bro, time. me too. Yeah, me too. he is. Do you see, you see the, ask, the, the main three in it? What he was, Scores, Lampard and Gerrard. Mm. He could do everything that them man could do. Mm. No bias. Everything that them could do. It's just because he couldn't, he, he, he has second, a, He second on the, old, on the all-time assist. Assist, literally. And, and he's disappeared the, for like four years. <laughs> Just because he doesn't have the trophies to back it, mm. that's why I feel like he's looked under like them man as well. And it's also because he's not English. I think we have to. Yeah. Be yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it, because it's nothing about it's nothing about a trophy thing. Come on, look at Gerard's cabinet, man. The hell, yeah. like he, fair enough. Ask, fair enough. Bro. He won a UCL. Fair enough. Gerard won a UCL when he he won the cup, but no, and a few FA cups, but no PL. I hear I mean, that. Lampard and Scholes were heavy. They, their cabinets are large. You get me? So. <laughs> And even I was ask, yeah, we ask mm. this question quickly, Carl. I done this about maybe about a year ago. I looked at the stats between Lampard and Cesc, and they are not far apart at all. Bro, Bro, they, they are not far apart at all. I think, I think, if one of them edge it by like maybe maybe fifty goal contributions, roughly. Mm. And I know what football I prefer. Mm. You get me? So, you know, the thing with Fabregas is what he could do the goals thing. When he went to Barcelona, 
I was that's when like the false nine was introduced, like that in it. That's insane. That's why people forget. Cesc yeah. played false nine, not only this for myth, Barcelona but for the Spain national the, team as well. Yeah, literally the myth wide that, sometimes. The, yeah, man. The myth that Cesc underperformed at Barca is is outrageous because he was doing his thing there. It's just because he wasn't he, he wasn't in the centre mid role as much, so mm. he had to get pushed. It was, can we even say he got pushed? To other positions, mm. the sentiment of how good of a player he is. Yeah, when, when he was playing uh, false nine, when Barcelona just recruited or signed a player to play that position, he said, "Like right. Messi was there and Fabregas was still playing." Exactly. So, yeah, he was doing his thing. Like everywhere that he's gone, he's done his thing, and mm. I feel like he's not appreciated as much as he should do. Yeah. Like. And I, I think as well, because of that toll, that, that Twitter is quite recent. I feel like people... Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't want to get into David Silva, because obviously David Silva's a great player, but if we're, if we're talking about David Silva moments, like, you're going to be scrambling for a bit. <laughs> in terms of, like, people, people are seeing David Silva leave Man City and obviously the whole recent... I don't even know what, I don't even know what to say, but I feel like that poll, especially Twitter, don't remember Cesc from Arsenal. They're judging Cesc from Chelsea. And that's why maybe that's why that the but Davis won that poll. To me, it's criminal, man. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And that's 10 11. Says 10 11 is one of the best seasons I've ever seen in the midfield. Literally. Yeah. Literally, bro. But um, yeah, um, another one I just want to throw out there is Jermaine Defoe. Like uh, no, I don't agree bro. with this. Pardon? <laughs> uh, bro, the way the way <laughs> I love Defoe, yeah, like. Bro, as in terms of strikers and goals and doing your job, I I hold default up there. Like nah, he, Darren Bent has a bigger holding than Ginger. <laughs> oh, on my on my life, on my life. Default's a great finish. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a rubbish footballer, but in terms of being world class, one of England's best strikers, I think Darren Bent had a had a, had a stronger claim than Default. You don't think Default's up there? I think Default. I think Defoe fulfilled his potential, man. I think he did exactly what he's supposed to do. He shouldn't, maybe I don't know. He should have I stayed think, at Spurs. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like his relationship with Spurs was rocky because he went there first. He did his thing and then he was sold to Portsmouth. He came back to this thing and then was sold again. I don't, I don't get yeah. that. But, yeah. Um, I so in terms of that, it's a shame. But Darren, you got to remember Darren Bent, man. Darren Bent, Charlton, he didn't do well at, at, at Tottenham. And he also Sunderland, he becomes, bro, he becomes a 20-goal season striker at Sunderland. And then I don't know what happened to him at Villa. But if you actually saw Darren Bent as a core footballer in terms of how he played, compared that to Jermaine Defoe, who in my eyes was more of a poacher, was Darren, Darren Bent was ideally, the, in my opinion, the stronger candidate in terms of becoming a better striker. He didn't, Darren Bent's career is more painful than Jermaine Defoe's in my, in my opinion. In terms of I, I hear that. Like, you got a point there. You got a point there. They are quite both similar in a way as what they did. Well, not the way they played, but what they did and the impact that they had in everything, the teams that they played for, everything like that. But I feel like with Defoe, what killed him was the height thing. Literally, I really yeah. believe the height killed yeah. him because, boy, yeah, Defoe could he could he could he, he could do it. He could have done it with England, literally. Like mm. England would look at. I feel after Owen and everything like that, were they looking for another striker? He could have been that guy. He when was a sharp shooter, man, a proper yeah. sharp shooter. 
when Rooney was dropping in the 10, though, around those times, that Defoe could have led that line. Even when he came on as a sub for England, he did his thing. Even Darren Bent, he did his thing as well. When, whenever he played, he did his thing. But the first scorers that scored the goals to get England through the 2010 group stage as well. Mm, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Defoe, man. That was actually a good one. But now we're going to swing into our next topic, which is the managers versus players debate. So we're going to use two examples right now. We saw Chelsea under Lampard and we've seen the change with the same exact players under Thomas Tuchel. And we've seen Manu with all the, you know, star talent under oh, Solskjaer. And now oh, we, <laughs> we need to speak about what is more important out of the two like is it having a great manager in place and let's say average to good players or is it more important and is it like is it um a better indicator of success if you have great players but let's say uh, average to good manager what do you guys think um Obviously, whilst identifying that the women, the women, we're winning formula is both like when they're both applied together, that's how you get a successful team. I'm team manager, man. I don't feel like a team is anything without yeah. a competent manager. And I've seen this conversation on Twitter as well, where you've got people, you know, people that have got a couple thousand followers and get so many, so many likes and whatnot on their tweets, and they manage more than anything. So, like, I remember when Man United had Mourinho and a lot of people that I knew were pissed with Mourinho because Mourinho wasn't getting the best out of this player and that player. Mourinho was asking this player and that player to chat back. Listen, in a footballer, someone like Mourinho who knows how to get the best out of his strikers, if he isn't getting the... Which is actually crazy because he actually does, but yet somehow he's named as a defensive manager is what it is, I'm not going to all that. If he is coming to your team and your striker's underperforming, it's more of a test of character to that striker than it is to the manager. A good manager is the key to a good side. You can have like Man United right now, star-littered names, man. Ronaldo's there, Cavani's there, uh, bro, Varane's there, Pogba's there, Bruno's there. <laughs> you get me? And then you've got Ole and it can't function. And then you've got Chelsea, you've got Tuchel, and it's more of a cohesive, even though you've got like big names like Havertz and Lukaku, it's less stars than Man United, yet you're a better team because you've got a competent manager of a cohesive setup and a cohesive system. This is why I can never understand, you know, when people say uh, Ronaldo won Real Madrid the, 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 the three-peat, it wasn't Zidane. Zidane didn't do anything. That's nonsense. Because why didn't Lopetegui do anything when he took over? Why didn't... Um, who was before Ancelotti? Why didn't like, Benitez and, and that do anything with the same... Ideally, the same squad? It's because the manager obviously gets a team that's talented like that and they take him to the next level. We need to get rid of this stupid stupid theory that players carry carry players can carry managers but only so far managers are the ones that win them the trophies if that makes sense what about you guys what do you guys think um do you know what yeah i hear what you're saying in it but do you feel like there's teams that haven't necessarily needed a manager Teams that haven't necessarily needed the manager. How do you mean? Yeah. So like, so like, you see that Barca team with like the Messi, the Suarez, Neymar, Xavi, 
Iliasa, bye 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 bye. You know you see me or whatever. Mm. Like they, I, well, I, I I don't know. Maybe I look at them in a different light. You know, but I saw that team as a team that didn't really need a manager. They all knew what to do. They all gelled. No. They all kind of. Nah. Shay, what made them gel? Exactly. I understand that, but and I understand. I, I don't know. Do you know? Go on, Jay. Nah, do you know with that? Yeah, I I just hate the myth that when everyone says, "Oh, give this manager this team and they'll do this," blah blah blah. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. Football doesn't work like that. Every manager has their own philosophy. With the what's, Barca, our, what's our tagline? <laughs> progression is not progression is not linear in football, man. Is yeah. football is not linear? That's it. But yeah, yeah sorry, go on. Yeah, like with that Barca team, Pep he did what what he did. He installed his philosophy, everything like that. When Pep left, who came in after? Was it Tito? Tito? Uh, no, it was um, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, Tito Villanova. Pep's. I was it was Tata, wasn't it Tato Martino? Or was that after? No, no, that was later. That was later. after. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tito Tito Villanova, and he came after. He was Pep's assistant. Same mm. philosophy, same way. That's why the team continued to go forward. And after thing, um, Tito. It was, who was it? Luis Enrique. Mm. Again, kind of like the same. He grew up the Barca philosophy, Barca football, everything like that. That's why they, they even continued their success. Then after Fingy, after um, Luis Enrique, you could just see it, it started to go downhill. Yeah. I got, was it Tata Martino after that? No, after Tata that? Martino was after Tito Villanova. Oh, was he? Yeah. After, after Enrique was, was Valverde. After Enrique was oh, Valverde. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. After Valverde was... Um, Etienne. Etienne, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can just see after Enrique, like, the football changed, the players started leaving. It was like, not any manager can do what those guys did with Barcelona. So, with me, I'm, I'm leaning with the manager as well. Like, you see... All these, you can even look at the Leicesters and everything like that when they won the league. Yeah, they had the the the, the players that they had on paper wasn't all that good, but whatever. Um, what's he called now? The Gaffer. Whatever he did with that team is is a madness to this day. Like, I'm always going to lean towards the like, the philosophy that you the manager has has to fit the players in the team. Mm. That we'll, with... ne- we'll never see a Ranieri Leicester title win again because we'll it never... doesn't make sense. Like when you try to analyze it from all corners, all angles, <laughs> it doesn't make sense how Leicester won the league. And you see, like Robert Hugh, Wes Morgan, it's like it doesn't make sense, <laughs> bro. Then like what? Are... What Ranieri did with that team, I don't understand. Nah. But do you know why it doesn't make sense? It's because the season after, he strengthened his team. He got a better team. And they were like 17th. And he played the same way. And I don't think it's a a thing of like, people figured them out. Mm -hmm. It's just just like, they 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 went off to a good, they started off, I don't even understand. Because Mahrez was still there. They lost Kante, fair play. But Mahrez was still there. Vardy was still there. Still is there. And, like, they got better players than after that. And what it just felt like was when... Um, oh, man, what's his name? 
when they were going to get relegated the season before with um oh what's his name Nigel Pearson they like they found some sort of of um second breath or something like that second wind and then that mm. form and that high carried over to the next season and then they blinked and it was match day 30 in the top of the league and like oh shit because like they under the end of their season I think with like three wins in eight and they had won like one nil like seven times in the second half of the season. So it just when you look at the Leicester League, Leicester, they're an anomaly. You can't sit there and say, yeah, manage this, manage that philosophy. It's an anomaly, man. It's not gonna happen again. It doesn't make sense. We just have to have fun, bro. That's it is. But the Barcelona, you've got made a good point with Barcelona as well, because even even though Pep gets a lot of credit, I don't like to give it to him because he it's not his philosophy, it's Johan Christ's philosophy which was, first of all, implemented and strengthened by Louis van Gaal and then taken to another level by Frank Rijkaard and then adapted and revamped into Tiki Taka by Pep. So, like I said, and the reason why Barcelona was so good is because they had, ideally, someone who was a genius that was able to move the, little, move the framework a little bit in order to make a complete puzzle, and that's why it looked like their team ran an autopilot. That is the essential, that's, that's the importance and the essentialness of a manager, man. That's what a manager does. When you look at Tottenham with like Tim Sherwood come on man like it's mm. clear to see how important a manager is a manager is more important than any football no, I hear you still and I think even on that like Ranieri like saying the whole um, like the manager the, the players at the club have to match the manager like Maybe when he got the the bigger signings, when he won the league and whatever, brought better players and whatever, maybe he just didn't know how to manage them. Maybe they didn't understand what it meant for Leicester. Do you get what I'm saying? Car, not everyone's gonna come into a team and know what it means straight away. Do you get what I'm saying? A lot of people are just gonna come and kind of see, you know, see how it is, blah blah blah. Unless the culture of the team is really come, let's fucking get this season again. Do you get what I'm saying? Um. I, I I agree with the manager is more important. Um, I feel like a lot of the time, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the time, like, if your manager isn't a real serious guy, a lot of the time your, your players aren't going to be serious on the pitch. Yeah. I feel like, because I, I saw, um, I went to see the Arsene Wenger film yesterday, the Invincible film. And it kind of showed a way of um, how things just went downhill. And they spoke about how um, the thousandth game where we um, got battered at Chelsea. And Ian Wright said something like, he doesn't understand how them players weren't up for that. Now, the reason I go to that is because when you play for Arsenal as an Arsenal player and that's just off of what um, they used to do back in early thousands and whatever. You knew what it meant to play under Wenger because Wenger's a serious guy, do you get what I'm saying? When players have come in whatever and they've just seen the glory of Arsenal, whatever, Ross and Arsh, I'm at Arsenal, it's a big club, it's a big move for me, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, players don't have the same the same the same fight, you get what I'm saying? They're gonna have they they need 
that kick up the Arsenal, so to speak. And Arsenal Wenger isn't that way inclined. You get me? Arsenal Wenger's mm-hmm. not the type to um, bark at the players and say, oh, I need an extra bit of this, an extra bit of that. No, he's going to try and nurture you and try and do the nice, nice thing. And sometimes you don't need that. And I feel like after Wenger, um, after, after that whole Wenger period where um, like things started to go downhill and whatever, the players... Um, oh, I feel like I'm kind of losing my point. No, um, I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like, I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like it's unfair for players, though, as well, because there's such a thing as a manager just being tactically outclassed. Like, we've all played football before. After the third goal mm. goes in, your head drops. And then yeah. it just becomes a question. Sometimes you can sit there, it becomes a question of a manager to re-motivate. It's also a question of the captain. Now, I don't believe that a manager has to be like Roy Keane and scream at his players whenever they don't perform. There's a level yeah, of respect that has to be between the players and the manager. So, um, my from speaking from from experience myself, like some of the people I've had, I've I've played football to quite, a, I like to say, a respectable level, and some of the coaches I came across weren't people I used to bark your head off. They mm. say to you and say, "Look, you're better than this," and that simple sentence would sink deep. Depending on your relationship with that with that person in front of you, um, who is yeah. coaching you or whatnot, that one sentence would be enough to sink deep. And that will motivate you to do the better, to do to, to do better. Um, but I do get your point. Like, bro, the way the way I see it is, I don't know what what the rest of you lot think. Like, if we, if the PL or any other league just decided to do an experiment where no man, every manager just sat back. There's a difference as well. You know, when managers get sent off from the sideline and the team yeah. performance drops. That in itself shows you how important the manager is. But I'd love to see like an experiment where the PL or any other league just says, you know what, no manager gets involved for like three game weeks. Let's see how teams perform. It would be chaos, man. <laughs> we'd love to see as, as a spectator, but I'm sure it would be chaos. No, it would be. Um, I think I remember one of you mentioning, mentioning something about a manager tailoring to his team. And when Conte joined Chelsea, there was this quote where he was like, a manager is a tailor and he has to find the right suit for his team. I think, you know, with like you can have the best players in the world and you can hope that they figure it out. But you being a manager and putting these things in place, you know, a manager is supposed to put his team in the best position to win. I don't think the players necessarily can do that for themselves and have that vision for themselves. And obviously as a Chelsea fan, I've seen Chelsea on the Lampard and I've seen Chelsea on the Tuchel. They both had half a season. And just look at the contrast, you know what I mean? Like Lampard didn't always put Chelsea in the best position to win. Sometimes it felt like he was picking certain players just for the sake of it. But you've seen what a good manager can do for a club because Chelsea have added a few signings and now what we're top of the Premier League and at the start of the season, we were like quite a few people's picks to be the title winners. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. we we put an average manager in that situation and we're battling for top four once again. Even with Lukaku, we're battling for top four. So yeah. I feel like just, it's... Just, just think about what my way my United could be if yeah. they had a serious manager. Scary. It's scary. scary. You've got the pieces. That's the thing. Man United have got the pieces, but it's just a tactically inept manager and you know Man United are in this situation where 
is a Ronaldo bailout once again. It's a Ronaldo bailout once again. And that can't happen every single week. So I think in terms of this debate, I mean, the, the manager's way more important. But it would be interesting if you go to kind of a grassroots level, like a Sunday league level, and you put Thomas Tuchel in charge of, let's say, a Sunday league team compared to, let's say, um, semi-professional footballers playing in that division. I, I feel like there's a certain cut-off point where, you know, um, players are, like, good enough to figure it, figure it out for themselves and that's fine. And then there's the other side where the managers become really important because, you know, the system in place can stop you from conceding this amount of goals as as is with the case with Chelsea. But, yeah, all in all, I think the manager, especially at the top level, is more important because you've seen managers, you know, change a whole season um, just just by implementing something new. Something different, yeah. yeah. But, cool, we're done with that topic. And now I'm going to hand over to Tony for him to introduce our new segment, Agenda City. <laughs> so I just want a little bit of a fun section because I know all of us are football fans and, you know, hot takes are something that, something that comes almost with being a fan. You know, you watch football with your mates or your family and you're always going to hear a hot take here and there. I just want us to blow some steam, get some get some foul agendas going, see where everyone's heads are. And I just don't mean an exaggerated, an exaggerated view. It's something that you generally believe. Like, everybody, perspective, life is about perspective, isn't it? And I obviously appreciate fans of football, especially the ones that the ones that actually have a decent grasp of, of what's going on. I appreciate how they see the game because obviously everybody can watch the same thing and understand and take it in differently. So the reason why I wanted to introduce this is just because something that you generally believe in uh, from something that you've seen that you thought, you know what, I'm going to... Like, have you got any... I'm going to... It seems like a gender city just because it's, it's personalised, but is there anything in football or any footballer that you don't feel like is, is good, but is getting getting the hype. Any team that is good, but you don't believe so. Any, right. any manager that is getting a little bit crazy, overhyped, but you're not seeing it. I wanted to bring that in. That's our new segment. It's called Agenda City. I'm ready see what you've got. I'm so ready for this. So my one, yeah. I think if you know me, you understand that I have uh, an affiliation for Callum Hudson-Odoi. And I genuinely think if he was afforded the same opportunities as his counterparts, Bolden, Sancho and whatnot, he'd be clear of both of them. Like, he'd be the main man. He'd be the one that's, you know, starting week in, week out. And he's getting the star boy shouts and, you know, he's exchanging shirts with the best players and stuff like that. Like, I genuinely think, you know, when they were all at that age... I think he was clear of them. You yeah. know, they were all playing at youth level and whatnot. And, you know, due to circumstance, maybe he just wasn't at the right club. Um, he had a career-threatening injury at such a young age, you know, where Sancho went to Germany. Sancho got to play games. Sancho was playing week in, week out, and he's developed. Foden is under one of the greatest managers ever. And, you know, he... He wormed his way into City's lineup, and now you know City don't play without him. Whereas at Chelsea, it's just way more difficult to break through. But my agenda is Callum Hudson-Odoi would be top three players under twenty-one in the world if he was given 
the game time and the trust of a manager. You know what? I agree with you. I do. Because do you, anyone here remembers the under 17 World Cup? Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now, who were the top three performers in that World Cup, man? He was one of them. He was one of them. I don't, I don't think he even played the entire tournament. I feel like he was called. Sancho was called off early. He had to go back. He had to go to Dortmund or City. He, had to, he was called out early. I remember Hudson Odoi, Rian Brewster, because he scored the goals, and Phil Foden. Foden. Another person that it's a shame he got injured, but another person that I believe should have got his in same position as CHO, but I don't know things that work out for him is Angel Gomez, man. Mm. Angel Gomez, I remember he banged a free kick in the first game against India. Yeah. And then he was injured for the rest of the tournament, so he didn't get to make his name in it. Was he not the captain? He was the captain. Yeah, yeah, he was the captain, but he didn't get his flowers. Same with HCHO. These men have, you can see it, so raw, so much talent. Like, you can see there's a player there, man. I remember when he was playing against, when he was playing on the Sari, he was playing out of position on the right-hand side. I feel like Hudson's definitely better on the left than he is on the right. But you can see this. There's a play, this, you can see this guy's special. Man. You can see it. So, my example for why I agree with you there, Jeff, is because under 17 World Cup, I saw it. I saw what you saw. And then under Sorry, even though he didn't play that well, I remember getting the Cairo Cup, the Carabao Cup final against my city where I uh, saw it. I saw the light. I said, this guy is something special. And I mean, if Bayern Munich is sniffing around at 19 years old, ready to pay 50 million pounds for you, there's a player there, man. So, I agree with you. In my opinion, I would have gone. I bet he looks at that looks at that bit and thought, I should have gone. Because <laughs> uh, I hear it, man. I hear it. Mm. I want him to stay so badly and do well for us so badly, but it's like he just needs opportunity, man. He actually needs opportunity because he's so talented. Like you look at his underlying stats, and I know guys like I, I don't want to bring stats into this, like there's eye test and I understand, but his underlying stats, like his creativity. Is off the charts, do you know what I mean? But mm. if he was given a consistent opportunity to show this, like he would be putting up these numbers and he would be affecting the game week in, week out and stuff mm. like that because he can dribble, he can cross, he can pass, he can do it all. Maybe his finishing is a bit iffy, but I mean, he can work on that, man. But what's your lot's agendas? Uh, I'll throw my one out there. Ryan Giggs. No, we're not doing this. Ryan Giggs probably one of I've ever seen and heard. And this is not early Ryan Giggs of what I saw in it, like he was good. He was very good, exceptional. I'm not gonna lie. But Perez couldn't run. Uh people can't run then. Don't talk about guy, please. Listen, that guy was so technically cold. For me, anyway, if you put gigs in this current day, he'd be no better than Gosh. the David Brooks, uh, McNeil's, them man there. He'll be on I par. With David Brooks, he's a baller. And I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying these are dead players in it, but they're good players. But to the hype that gigs gets, nah, can't run it. Can't you, know that it. Can, you know that can run for so many players. Um, pardon? That could run for so many players. It could, it could, but this one it has to run because this this longevity merchant. I'm sorry, his name can't be getting sung like this anymore. You know, I'm, tired. I'm not, I'm not saying Henri is Henri is overrated, but Henri is another footballer I'd love to see in this generation. Man. You, you don't think you, huh? 
you not think he'd do it? I'd just be interested, really, because like some of the, some of the defenders man played against, like obviously Carragher's Carragher, but back in Henri's heyday, Carragher was one of the best defenders in the Premier League. That's just a lot of what he was facing against. Isn't it? I feel like the quality of football overall has has dropped. However, the Premier League in itself, the surrounding teams' player qualities have improved. So the lower end, maybe um, back in those days, you know, you had. On on Henri's A day is the 2001 to 2004, 2005, I'd say. After that, he started to not drop massively, but he did start to, his numbers start to come a little bit, how do I say it? Mm, Realistic, if that makes sense. So about the 06, 07 era. And I'm not saying that Henri wouldn't have capped it in this day and age, but I would have loved to have seen Henri play against someone like Virgil or Henri play against someone like Varane or Henri play against someone like, yeah, because when he was playing in the Premier League in his in his prime, he was playing against defenders like uh, Lucas Neal, and uh, if you remember Lucas Neal, <laughs> and uh, hey, 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 well, no, let's let's not discard them. And and, and 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 Michael Dawson really? and and Anthony Gardner and uh, Danny Gabidon. Like this is yeah, these but, are the names. Bro, then we have the John Terry's, the Ferdinand's, all them man there. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Then you, the, the thing with the England national <laughs> Deadly, team, yeah? Deadly King. Yeah, Deadly keep going, King. keep going. The one who them man who they, they rate to the highest or years all of this. Deadly King, I'll give. John Terry, I'll give. Wow. Uh, you know what? I'll even give you Woodgate before he went to Real Madrid. After that, you've got Matty <laughs> Upson. Then you've got the Matty Upson and then you're looking at it like mad. Jeremy, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I swear, so, I swear, I'm a, a, a run for his money. Is that your boy Yamstam? We're not, we're not doing this, man. Listen, I'm not <laughs> going to fight you. I'm just saying, I'm, I'd love to see Henri play against you know a defender no. that was that was actually athletic. A lot of defenders back in those days were not really athletic, <laughs> were they? Um, However, yeah, I'll give you Ryan Giggs. I'll give you Ryan Giggs. He probably would be a wing back in this generation, but listen, he's all time record assist maker in it, respective. James, give it there. Listen, I saw Henri. Sorry, sorry, Shay. I saw Henri, age 30. Henri, I saw Ryan Giggs, age 36. Yeah. Play Man City off the park, 4 3 Old Trafford. Watch that game if you ever get a chance. Watch 90 minutes of it. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. 36, 37-year-old Ryan Giggs giving Michael Richards an absolute... Yeah? Giving yeah, Michael Richards an absolute right. christening. Yeah, he's don't right. do this. Don't do this. Yeah, try to tell right. me about longevity magic. Give Ryan Giggs his colours, Also, man. Darren Fletcher run games before, like... But... Darren Fletcher... This is another one I don't like. Darren Fletcher was a good... He wasn't... He was a good like footballer. That. Yeah, but you know what it is? People... There's a difference. There's footballers that were good but are boring. Like... People always watch football and want to see storylines. When they see some, you know, Henri would just say some love of room, all that shit, all that stuff. Darren Fletcher is a boring name. Michael Carrick is a boring name. But these two were good players, man. Yeah, exceptional. Yeah, I mean, they were, they're very good, very good. But the gigs thing. <laughs> nah. Hey, tell me what's your agenda, man. Let me shut this guy up. Um, <laughs> cool. Because I, I, I don't really know what my one is. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say that um, Lacazette is a better footballer than Aubameyang. Uh, let's stop it right here, man. 
I'm gonna jump off. I'm gonna jump off. Yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Then football, uh, right? So you're, if you're saying footballer, you're taking into account like the technique, the ball control, like stuff like that. Is that what you're trying to say? Like overall, um, um everything. The 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 thing that gets blended between Lacazette and Aubameyang is the amount of goals that Aubameyang scores. But if you take the goals away, which you can't really do as a striker, that's what they're there for. It's the goals in the cool. I understand that, and I'm I'm here for that in that cool. But if you see the way Arsenal play with Lacazette as the main nine, and you watch the way Arsenal play with Aubameyang as the main nine, two completely different teams, bro. And what is it? It's, what are you seeing with Lacazette that other people may not be seeing? It's it's the link. He he's got good link up play. He holds the ball off well. He holds the um, holds the ball up well. Sorry. Um, and uh, he's he gets involved more, bro. Even if like necessarily it's not all working out for him, the bit more that he does in the sense of like he might press a defender or like win a foul, win a free kick somewhere. Do you get what I'm saying? It's the little things that just make it make up for it. Do you get what I'm saying? That when if he's not scoring, he's helping the team somehow, some way. And I can't lie, if you look at the way we play. With like the um, Emil Smith Rowe, Saka, or whatever. I don't think like people understand. If you watch when they were first breaking into a team, they were playing with Lacazette up front. And a lot of their like great moments, Lacazette is involved. Either he scored or he's done a pass to pass to one of them that's made the assist. You know what I'm saying? He's been pivotal. Do you get what I'm saying? So I feel like. Lacazette gets shot on a lot because I can't lie, yeah, he's not necessarily uh, world-class, isn't it? Do you get what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I think Lacazette is, he's definitely the clear footballer. Well, we'll see what people say about that, ideally. I don't see it personally myself, but that's your, that's your opinion and we'll take it as that. I've got a lot of a journey. Yuri, please, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quick fire them out, right? I've got like five or six. My first one is Van Bissaka is the worst football I've ever seen in my life. Um, and the reason why I'm not saying this... <laughs> don't kill me! <laughs> I'm not saying it just to be reactionary because he's in bad form. You lot know me. Uh, so I've had a problem with this guy since like, I think it was like, when did we play Bournemouth? Man United played Bournemouth, uh, I think it was his first season. He just signed 15 million pounds, 1920. That's why I wanted to sign it, yeah. I feel like it was like November 2019. So that must have been like match day five. We lost 1-0 to Bournemouth, innit? And I was looking at him and I thought, wait, seriously? That's the first time, like, a seed have been planted when I was watching this guy. But if you watch the way he defended for Josh King's goal, yeah, yeah, yeah I think he, that's the game. Josh King's goal. If you watch the way one the second defended for Josh King's goal, I thought, all right, cool. And then he played. We played City. I think later on, later that month or in December or whatnot. And yeah, he had the game. He had the game of his career. He's never hit the levels of that again, apart from obviously PSG at home as well. And I start to see little things like his bad positioning, um, his lack of awareness. The guy looks like he's he. he he rolls joints before games. Like he's never he's focused. Bellerin, he's got a Bellerin gene, fam. Bellerin no, it's gene. not been Bellerin gene. He's never focused. Like, does he smoke weed before games or what? He's never focused, bro. Like, 
Lindelof must be looking at him like, and Lindelof gets a lot of stick, which I don't feel like it's fair because a lot of the stuff that Lindelof gets caught out for is covering for Wamsaka. Like, like Wamsaka is not in position, or he gets beaten too easily from uh, from a one-two because he he decided to be so he, he started to be stupid and step forward, then he gets beaten by 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 the press or the pass, and then Lindelof comes over to cover for him. And then Lindelof obviously one v one, he isn't the strongest, but then every defender one v one. Like, 1v1 isn't easy, you get me? Especially when players are running at you through the centre of the park or coming in from an angle into the centre of the park. When Lindelof then gets beaten and then the opportunity comes where De Gea has to save us or we concede. And all of a sudden, because it's Lindelof that gets beaten, he gets the pro- he gets criticised from it. But when you realise, no, it's Van Masaka for not being there in his rightful position. And that's the problem I have with him. Like, if you cost... I'm not this person that, that says, you know... You cost this amount of money, hence you should be this good of a player. Now, you, everybody at Manchester United is held to the same standard. Because Man United set the standard. The standard at Man United is, is to challenge for the title every single year. Is Juan Masaka a fullback to be challenging for titles? No. And I clocked this in 2019. And we're in 2021, almost 2022 now. And it's taken this long for people to realise how bad he is. I'm happy that people are starting to wake up. There's still people in the back trying to tell me, oh, he's a good defender. That's a lie. That's a lie. Oh, he's good at side tackling. Don't care. Overall, he's not good enough for the club. Overall, he's the worst right back I've seen in my life. It's a shame that he's Congolese because I've got to share blood with him, but it is what it is. My second agenda, right? and this is, this is what I might annoy people, Leicester are not as good as people may come out to be in it. People still live in this fantasy, fantasy, this fantasy that Leicester, because they won the league in 2016, uh, one of Premier League's most respected teams, they should be challenging for the t- for top four every single year. And ideally, that's their that's their target. But I, bro, are you not worried they're about punching, They're punching. They're punching. You, they're punching. You, when when your team are playing Leicester, are you worried about them? Be honest. As an Arsenal fan, as an Arsenal fan, yeah. Yeah. As a Chelsea fan, I can't lie. They've given us a tough time sometimes, but no, that's, we that's should shameful. be beating them if you get what I mean. Yeah. Shame, I expect us to beat them, but you know. Sometimes if, the if we're talking Leicester away, then I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the yeah, King yeah, Power, yeah. How can you say that when like the year the year Leicester won the league title, Arsenal beat them five two. Arsenal beat them home and away. They beat them yeah. five two at King Power. Yeah, but we're the only yeah, we're the only team to beat them home and away. Our, yeah, our record hasn't been that good against Leicester. So, nah, I'm not having this, man. I'm not having it. Up until the FA Cup last season, yeah, even with that donut as a manager, we haven't struggled against Leicester. And that's says something. You lost to them a couple of weeks ago. No, I said up until the FA Cup last season. Oh. FA Cup oh. last season seemed to be a turning point where they knocked out the FA Cup and then they've beaten us again. But like, for example, the game where, you know, Leicester, all Leicester needed was a point to get to the Champions League in 1920 and then lose 2-0 at home. Stuff like that. The fact that we didn't lose to them at that see the season that they won the league, there was two draws, but both both of those draws were a little bit jarring to the point that we should have won the games, but you know, Leicester did their team and they got the draw. I am never ever worried about Leicester because Leicester seemed to fold for my team up until the FA Cup last season. And when Leicester I don't know, man. When when it starts to when the when the going gets tough, they always fall off. I cannot believe they let Chelsea and Man United qualify for the Champions League. The bottle gene is <laughs> them. Leicester could not manage, even though they were like 
third in the league from like January. They could not manage to accumulate 66 points to qualify for the Champions League. That is a disgrace. That's a disgrace. Chelsea and Man United qualify for the Champions League with 66 points. I don't think you man are deep in how bad that is. That's yeah, that's that so bad. That season was poor though. That season was poor. We should have won the league that season. No, no, no. That was nineteen twenty. Oh, nineteen twenty. Yeah. That's the one I Sorry, my bad. No, that was nineteen twenty. To to get so the full amount of points you can accumulate in the Premier League is like hundred thirty eight or something like that. Let me check. Let me check. Yeah, hundred fourteen. So I was way off. My maths was bad there. Hundred fourteen points is the maximum amount of points you can accumulate in the Premier League. And normally teams that qualify for the Champions League normally get around 75 points, 70, 75 points. My United and Chelsea both got 66. And a team like Leicester, Leicester, who were in third in the table for the whole season, couldn't couldn't qualify. Oh man. I can't take them seriously, man. I can't. Never I can, never will. That's um it. anything else? One more I got, yeah. Um Ainsley Maitland-Niles is the most underrated footballer at my club. <laughs> Wait, um, do you agree? <laughs> do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what? We can have this debate. We can have this debate. Car, you get me? It's one Arsenal fan to another, isn't it? But um, for me, the reason why I say this, yeah, because he got man in the match the other day against Watford, didn't it? And everyone's like, "Raw, Ainsley's really, like, really put a foot out, like that." But bro, he had this years ago, like. He's because not I remember, just... I remember we both watched Man United versus uh, Arsenal in 17-18. Arsenal. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Fellaini, Fellaini scored the winning goal. Was it 3-2 or 2-1? I can't remember. 2-1. 2-1. 2-1, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had, he had Maitland-Niles a... played Pogba off the park, man. Off the <laughs> park, bro. But I feel like because he's got that like little bit of a like lazy like, sort of attitude towards him, whatever else. And he's never really had a consistent run. I was deep in this the other day, like, whenever he's started to go, whether he started, whether he's played, whether it's right back, uh, left back, said, not really got the chance to send him, he's only got it this season, but even sometimes he's played out on the right for us. Um, he gets one, two games here and there, and then he's out of the team. For a player that isn't really... Um, sort of developed 100% as what kind of footballer he is. You kind of want him to kind of, to get a bit of knowledge of what he's going to be because, cool, he can play right back for what, like, let's say two months he's playing right back. Then maybe Bellerin's fit and he's out of the team. Now he's not really in the team now. Then when he's come back into the team, he's playing left wing back this time now. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, how do you expect a player that to, to kind of know what he's doing? Do you get me? The thing with Maitland Niles, yeah, I don't even hate, I don't even dislike him. I actually like him. But I lean towards the Walcott thing again. You need to make your mind up. And but the thing is, he knows what he wants. It's not it's not a thing where he needs to make his mind up. He knows what he wants. He which is just on he wants to play which is, which he, he was placing him in. And yeah, Wenger kind of Wenger kind of did him dirty by playing him <laughs> left back and all that stuff. Yeah. No, but then he got interviewed. Was it not the start of the season or end of last season or something? He was saying, "I'm, I don't, I'm happy to play right back." Yeah, but he, yeah, you can be happy to play right back and want to play centre mid. Like you, like you want to play football in it, and it's not like he's a bad right back. He can play there, but 
he deep down in his heart wants to play centre mid. That's why he went to um. That's why he went to West Brom last West. season. When um yeah. when yeah. when he went to um when he had the deals on the table, it was Southampton and West Brom, and Southampton wanted him to play right back, I think. And um, West Brom gave him the opportunity to play centre mid. He chose West Brom. Bearing in mind, to me, Southampton was the way better deal. If t- mm. if you want to be in a team where you're gonna play a bit of decent football in whatever roles, you you're gonna become a bit more of a solid, knowledgeable football, uh, knowledgeable footballer. Whereas going to West Brom, playing for Sam Allardyce, who's playing long ball every week, and you're trying to be a centre mid, especially doesn't make sense. But he wants to be a centre mid. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone to West Brom, bro. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. For me, just at Arsenal, for him to be a certain like starting midfielder is that dream is dead for me. For me, he has to leave to see that I, see that happen. I feel you still. And I'm just. I'm just at that point where I'm tired of defending him like this now. It's just like, we can't keep doing this with every single one of our youth products and everything like that. Nah, just I definitely hear you still. I definitely hear you. For me, it hurts me because I actually think he's technically good enough to be a, a footballer at Arsenal. Yeah, that's why I just I just don't ride, for, ride out for him anymore, to be fair. I'm just, he's what, 24 now? 24. Yeah, 24. Yeah, it's just he needs to move on. And if he really wants to do the midfield thing, he needs to move on. And I I get that we blocked the move for him and everything like that, but yeah. Where where does he go? Where does he go that improves him in centre mid? Everyone I want everyone to choose that like, team. Mm. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because if if you're talking about well, you a Premier League well, team. Yeah, if you're talking about a Premier League team, it's going to have to be towards the bottom of the table, do you know It, what it I mean? has to be Premier League. It could be anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Where do you think Anthony Rettenhouse would could go next realistically and become that guy? I don't know if he'll ever be that guy anywhere. Like, I'm not sure. No, I heard that. Guy, I heard that story. I feel like he'll he'll be able to forge a good Bundesliga career if he if he decides to go there. Like, it would, he, he'll be able to fit in well and stuff like that. I feel like... There's you know where like... I think he should go, personally. Sorry to interrupt you all. No, go on. Um, Maitland-Niles, we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maitland-Niles, you know what? He needs to go to a team with a project. So, in my mind, like Brighton, for example, yeah, especially if Basuma goes. If I was Arsenal and I was thinking, you know, this guy's not going to get any game... Arteta, sorry. He's not getting any game time for me. Do a soft oh, deal yeah. with, with, mm-hmm. with Basuma. Because then yeah. it's a win-win. Because there he's playing under a manager that plays um, a dynamic way of football. He learns a different type of philosophy that he's used to. He's playing a progressive uh, game of football where he's, he's, he's going to have possession and going to be in control of the ball. And he'll be under other players similar to him. And with a manager under, with his tutelage that can give him more, more, um, how do you call it, um, more instructions and more of like a help in his development. 24 is never too late to learn and become a good footballer. Do you know what I mean? Footballers are, are continuously learning. I believe the body peaks um, after... Um, body Different people's bodies peaks at different times. And I feel like mid now, he hasn't really suffered any major injuries. He hasn't played a lot. So there's no hardware. Therefore, he can still be go- he can still go. So like I said, go to Brighton, swap deal for Basuma. Arsenal happy, you're happy. Play progressive football. And let's see where you turn up in three, four years. This guy is gonna go. He can still go places. That's the thing. I think so as well. 
Mm. I like to see him at like a like a Leipzig or a Dortmund. No, nah, but he's not going to play in those teams. Yeah, I don't it? think he'll start That's there, man. Mm. You don't think so? You don't think you don't think he can he can become a starter though? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because you've got to look at people like, for example, like Lookman. Lookman is another one I want to say to you. I think Lookman's a special footballer. I saw that guy at Charlton. I saw him, he didn't, listen, F to you, Everton, for doing my guy like that. <laughs> Lookman's another one that's a special footballer. And he went to Leipzig and he didn't have fun there either. It's not just because you're, you're British, Leipzig are going to go play you, man. You know what I mean, mm. Smith Rowe didn't play at Leipzig, was he? Wasn't he there? No, but he he injured. He he got injured. Still, he didn't play. Neither did um, Ampadu. Ampadu didn't play at Leipzig. Oh well. Yeah, so, that's true, man. So it's not just because know. you're British they're gonna play you, man. And it's, he needs to Brighton's the best place for some. A place that Brighton's best place for him, or depending on where Newcastle go forward with Eddie Howe, even that might be a good shot. Even the era. Yeah, exactly. To replace Gallagher, if Gallagher goes back to Chelsea in the summer. So, exactly that. Like, there's, 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 a, there's a place for him. He's just, he's just got to show that he's serious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. What about just a quick five minutes on Conor Gallagher? You see, you like him. You see, especially Jeff. You know. Yeah, I like him, man. He he puts himself about, and he's a real box to box player. Like you see him making tackles at one end, and he's still got you know that determination to find himself in the box and want to get on the end of chances and make these late runs on the other end like I think he's done really well and you know Palace for a while you know under Hodgson they used to play that you know 4-4-2 kind of hybrid 4-3-3 and the centre of the midfield was very very pragmatic very stagnant they didn't have any legs in there like Milivojevic and MacArthur like it, it just wasn't just wasn't enough in it but Gallagher's joins now and you know he's adding the legs there he's doing the running for like two people and he's still managing to link up with Zaha and Jordan Ayew and um, Edward and Benteke and stuff like that like and I've seen a few people talk about you know he's not the most technically gifted and do you know what I mean like he's not he's not refined and whatnot but sometimes you don't need that in a player do you know what I mean I don't think Palace needed him to be that they need him to be exactly what he is which is like a determined box-to-box hard-working player and I mean what he's got what four Premier League goals or something like he's done really well so far mm-hmm. and you know he's a lone player but he's become a mainstay in their team like he's definitely one of the first names on the team sheet because of what he offers no one else in their squad can offer someone something like that so I think he's done really well um do you, reckon he'll, do you reckon it's another, another Tamori deal, or do you reckon he actually got a future at Chelsea where he could break? Through? I was about to, I was about to say keep one, sell one, Gilmore or Gallagher. No, I'd love to see both. I'd love to see uh, both. I'd love to see both, Chelsea. but I'm saying keep one, sell one. I, I feel like it's a bit difficult because with Gallagher, I wouldn't play him in a double pivot. Yeah, uh, it'll be a midfield three, man. Yeah, it has to be a midfield three, and he has to be the one that's getting. Um, furthest forward and whatnot. So if it was a, you know, midfield three, then it would make sense for us to keep him. But if we're going to stick with the three four three and we've got the double pivot, it doesn't make sense because I just feel like he'll get, like he'll he'll give himself too much work to do. Um, he'll become he'll, be, he'll become McTominay in the double pivot. Ah, uh, and I feel like kind of getting the ball off the centre backs and kind of playing breaking the lines and stuff like that is not his role. 
So mm. him playing any sort of deeper role would be, you know, be pointless in my opinion. What do you guys think about him before we wrap up? Yeah, I liked what I saw. For West Brom. Actually, no, not even West Brom. I remember I watched him Charlton. Charlton, um, yeah. I saw a few games because obviously championships sometimes is live on Sky Sports and I saw him at Charlton and I remember, I can't remember if he was playing against, he might have been playing against Luton, I can't remember if he was playing against, but he, I watched half an hour of that game and he really impressed me and then I realised, oh, this is the guy that, you know, a couple of my friends are talking about in terms of it was a loan from Chelsea. And then he went to Swansea, I didn't really see him there. And then he came to West Brom and that's why I really got to have a good look at him for yeah. In that yeah. West Brom team last season, he really was a bright spot. So yeah. it was nice to see that Chelsea recognised that and then it to Crystal Palace because, yeah, man, he's a good player. He's a good player. He has a, the problem, the only danger he has is, is, is being his own, being his own bad, being his own enemy. You get me? Like, he's now made a name for himself in the Premier League. And then he gets comfortable with just being that Premier League footballer and then yeah. becoming, becoming a, I'm trying to think of a footballer that's done it at Chelsea before, like becoming like a, a Dom Solanke or something and just chilling, yeah. you know, hovering between the two divisions. Like, I want him to, I hope he pushes himself because he's a real player there, man. And hopefully, now that he's been, he, he was called off England for San Marino, wasn't he? Yeah, he played. He made yeah, yeah, come on, come on, Stoll. There you go. I hope that gives him some hunger into thinking, yeah, I like this lifestyle. I like playing for England. He pushes himself. I think he's good as well. I really, I didn't watch the game. No, he didn't score. He, didn't <laughs> he hit the post, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smith, Smith first score, still Smith first score. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I like him though, to be fair. I've watched, I've watched Palace quite a bit, to be fair. And uh, that guy is everywhere. Like, he's got, he's everywhere around the pitch. And he's, yeah. he's, He's like, one of these episodes, I want to talk on Vieira at Palace. Go on, yeah, yeah, he's basically, he's basically like, he's carrying Palace in a way, like, he's involved in everything, every move that they make, every counter-attack, he's always there. And I, I like players like that. They, they arrive in the box at the right time. They're in the right place at the right time. Midfield is like that. It, it gives me like a... Oh, I don't even want to say it like that, but it gives me kind of like a Ramsey vibe in a way. Like, mm. I yeah. see what you mean still. I see what you mean. Yeah. And he has, you know what people don't realize as well? He has the most innate, he has like a telepathic relationship with James MacArthur. I don't know if you've noticed that, but him and MacArthur at Palace work so well together. Like, they just, they, when he moves forward, MacArthur tucks in. If MacArthur goes on a run, he tucks in. It's fantastic. I think it's great. And that's actually what you need. Oh, definitely but cool let's let's wrap up now thank you listeners for reaching this point we hope you've enjoyed the pod and please interact with us and let us know you know what footballers you feel didn't reach the heights like do you agree with Joel Cole do you agree with Walker and Pastore and whatnot and also let us know what you think about the players and managers debate like is there a team you can think of where they don't really need, you know, a, a, a great manager to still be successful. And finally, let us know about all your hot takes and all your agendas. Um, you can find us at Ballers Corner on all socials. Yeah, please interact. And yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, man, thank you.